It's time for Robert's Rules, our regularly scheduled check-in with House Minority Leader and District 54 Representative and Sanford High School graduate Robert Reeves. Robert, thank you so much for being here today. Appreciate you having me. And uh, I kind of just randomly brought up the Sanford High School graduate thing, but it actually does lead into what I wanted to talk about today. So I guess my subconscious is working there. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about public education today, as it is obviously one of the uh, bigger issues that I think affect people on a day-to-day basis in this state. And um, a lot of people are claiming that we're in a crisis of public education in North Carolina and uh, we just had the news yesterday or day before yesterday of the Leandro case having oral arguments once again in front of the state Supreme Court. So I wonder if we could just start there with kind of your reaction to uh, once again being in, in limbo, waiting for a court decision on the Leandro case. Well, it's the same feeling that I had where we were once again in a limbo about what was going to happen with redistricting, even though the court had already ruled and made a decision. Same thing here. Uh, Leandro decision is over. Uh, the ruling has happened. And I do not know why we're revisiting it, uh, which is, again, one of the issues that we have right now with our courts. It suddenly is becoming about did we come to the result that we want to have politically or did we come to the result that was a thoughtful result based on the law? And so I hate to see us in this position. And it's more frustrating for me because we're really at a point now where there's one question I've never had answered, not my 10 years of being in the legislature. Why don't we want to educate every child that we have in the state under 18. Why do we believe that public education is not a constitutional right? Why do we want to take as much money as we can out of public education and put them into schools where children that literally live across the street from school can be stopped from going? Because we're the only first world country that seems to have this idea anywhere and we're one of the few states that has really seemed to fuel this idea that we're a better state somehow when we do not educate our children. Um, I, I feel like I have an answer to that question, but it's super cynical, and I think, <laughs> I think we probably um, know what that is, and I don't think we're going to hear anybody say why you would want to not fund education, but it seems like a purposeful, um, long campaign to try to make an easily manipulated uh, a lower class of people is, is honestly what it feels like as somebody who comes from the world of education and has been out of it for a while now and watching how some leaders are kind of manipulating the educational process. It feels like there is a purposeful attempt to make people less intelligent and less able to advocate for themselves. And, you know, that's maybe that's a very cynical take on it, but that's that's kind of the way I felt about it for a couple of years now, and I don't know if I've ever actually said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Well, glad you said it. We'll make sure that the listeners right. know that you said that. Uh, I didn't was, say that. This so. is the words of host Andrew Stuckey here <laughs> as uh, Robert Reeves looks on and wait, waits well, for his opportunity to say something less controversial. Well, if the other caucus does like you usually do, they'll still attribute your words to me, and then somehow it'll be me, and they'll probably use AI to change my voice. Oh, but either way... <laughs> With that being said, it really is bothersome. Uh, When you look at the history of public education in this country, it's really interesting to watch uh, how it's developed. The the first settlers got here, and the first thing they recognized, like, look, we got to educate folks. We don't do anything else. They set up churches. They set up schools immediately and set them up separately. 
you know, wanting to make sure that uh, people were educated and able to learn things. And then as we moved forward, uh, obviously the you know, largest educational decision in the history of this country was Brown versus Board of Education. And then you look at places like the state of Virginia, what their reaction was. You know, and state of Virginia had areas of Virginia that kept their public schools closed for five years, uh, average being two years, to keep from having to integrate their schools. And so now we've gone to uh, what I would say is a similar period right now where there's suddenly a push to try to figure out how to stop educating all of these children because it does seem to be not about race as much as it is about creating a permanent working class. The greatest thing about this country is the promise that you have that if you work hard, you do everything you're supposed to do, that you have a chance to move yourself up economically, that your child has a better chance than you did um, growing up and to be able to achieve their dreams. I, I think you should be able to have whatever job you want. If you choose a job, that doesn't require as much education or doesn't require, that's fine. But you should have that as a choice. And what we're doing is we're putting up permanent barriers for children that can't go and afford to pay fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a year uh, to go to private school to get the edu basic education that they need to be able to hold jobs in the 21st century economy. It's the voice of Robert Reeves, House North Carolina House Minority Leader and Chatham County Representative in the State House. We're talking education right now um, in light of the looming uh, next round of Leandro decision from the Supreme Court. And I'm going to come back to the education-specific aspect of this in a moment. But if we could talk just kind of about the function of government now, um, it seems, and again, uh, this is maybe, maybe a little bit naive, but it seems just from like looking at the separation of powers that the Supreme Court would want to uphold its own power and legitimacy in the state of North Carolina and what they're being asked in this Leandro case seems like they're being asked to take power away from that branch of government, saying we don't have the right to uh, check the legislature. That seems like a weird choice for a, a group of, of uh, justices to make, uh, just from a structure of government going forward standpoint. Well, but I mean, I think all that mandates that you or presupposes that you believe in a separation of powers. If you believe in three fully functional independent branches of government, that, then these are pretty much non-issues. There's nothing to discuss. Uh, you look at the court rulings, um, both when Pat McCrory was in office and rulings that have happened with Governor Cooper. The one thing that's been clear all through that is that the executive branch needs to stay strong. The courts have supported that. Courts have understood that the judicial branch needs to stay strong. What the result of that was, was a General Assembly that has now continued to expand its power, also considered, you know, continue to expand its power uh, within campaigns and financially. And so the next thing you know, we're pushing judicial candidates, we're pushing executive branch candidates that buy into the thought process that the legislature is all powerful. And so when you hear the strict constitutionalist talk um, within the legislature, their position is really that the legislature is all powerful and, and there should not be an equal, co-equal branch of government that has a check on them. That ultimately we make all decisions, we make the budget, we make all of the laws, and so therefore there should not be a real check on us. That's why we're taking over all these boards, taking away executive functions. That's why we're you know giving raises to judges and, and, and pushing judicial uh, lack of autonomy in this sense. Now, with that being said, the legislature's desire to take over the judicial and executive branches does not mean, as you said, that that will happen or that it should happen. And so I've got faith in the courts that the courts will remain independent, that the courts will understand what you're actually seeing with the U.S. Supreme Court a lot, um, that 
party is one thing, but ultimately we are here to make sure that there's justice for all. And so I'm going to believe that our North Carolina Supreme Court is going to take a page from what we have recently seen from the United States Supreme Court to say, hey, you know, ultimately, I understand what my beliefs may be. I may understand that, you know, I'm in a particular party or I serve a particular ideology, but my job is justice. And it's the same as, you know, you don't you're also not even seeing it from the executive branch. When you see candidates that are running on the Republican side, they're not fighting against these takeaways of power from the governor's office, not seeming to understand that if you win as a Republican and they have stripped your office, then what have you won? If I were a Republican running for governor, the first thing I would do is to join in with other governors saying, hey, I'm not having you strip the executive branch. But again, the desire of the legislature seems to be to make these very far from being co-equal branches of government. We're visiting with Robert Rees from the North Carolina General Assembly. We're talking education mostly in the context of the looming Leandro decision. Another aspect of education in the state that I'm hearing a little bit about is um, the, well, specifically, there was a Union City pastor who made some pretty um, out of the out of the mainstream comments, I guess, is the Union nicest County, way to put it. Union County, but yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, implying, I think the, the implication that he made was that um, women shouldn't wear shorts and that sexual assaults can happen legitimately if a woman's wearing shorts. And then kind of where this comes into the education conversation is that this uh, this pastor is also affiliated with a school that receives taxpayer money in the state of North Carolina as uh, we've continued to kind of funnel that pub- those public funds into more private education options. And we're seeing, you know, situations like this where I think a whole lot of people would be very uncomfortable knowing that their tax dollars were supporting a school that was run by somebody who had these viewpoints. Um, is there any remedy for that legislatively about how how the funds are being distributed for public education right now? I mean, easily. You pass a bill that says that we're going to put the majority of our money in public education. Uh, you know, and again, this is a perfect example because here's what we know about that school. I mean, for instance, I think they've received over $2 million worth of money over the last couple of years. But more importantly, what it does about choice. Now, think of it like this. If that school's received over $2 million, and that school now has more money to pay teachers, more money to uh, make better facilities for education, and so therefore it's able to push itself into a tier different than other schools, especially different than public schools. So now that becomes, and I don't know this because I have no idea about that school standing in Union County, but common sense would tell me that then what does that do? That makes this one of the premier schools in the county. Well, immediately, that means there are certain children that are never going to be able to go to that school, even though their taxpayer dollars, their parents' taxpayer dollars are going to fund that school. So, for instance, I could see as a woman in North Carolina already feeling uh, that we're embattled, um, being attacked. I think we've done something to attack women for several years, but especially has intensified over the last two years, that when somebody says, because one, the two things that ought to be disturbing <laughs> One, saying that a woman wearing shorts is inviting sexual assault. And two, the thought that, well, because you're a man and you see a woman in shorts, that somehow that would produce the urge to sexually assault someone. I think that was a less discussed part of his conversation because I I do not like as a man the categorization that seeing a woman dressed in shorts suddenly awakens some desire to sexual assault somebody. So that that's frustrating. But if you decide you don't want to send your daughter there for various reasons, then guess what? 
then you're going to have to go to a substandard school if you take it to its natural conclusion because that school's getting all the money. That school's getting the lion's share of the money that's coming into your county for funding. And so, again, you've got to recognize one simple thing. Private school is a choice. And if you choose it, you've got every right. And that's the great thing about this country to send your child to private school. But it makes no sense if it's the best private school with the best teachers, the best thought processes and all the greatest things in the world. And they'd be the best school for every kid in this country. It's still a private school. And therefore, there will be limitations on the children that can go there. You can't send taxpayer dollars that we work for every single day to a school that our kids cannot go to. And that's the remedy is to stop this in, this push that somehow we're bettering schooling by putting this money into private schools. Because you know what you could do? Take the same money, put it into public schools, and have excellent public schools, which we did in this state for all of the years until the last 10. We're speaking with North Carolina State House Minority Leader Robert Reeves, and we are just about out of time already. We've been talking education this whole time. Is there anything else, education or otherwise, that you'd like to mention before we wrap up? What I would mention is this, and, and this is a really forgotten point um, in that General Assembly at this point. Just about everybody, because of our age range, just about everybody in that General Assembly got educated in the good public school system. And they got educated because a government that never met them, never knew them, never had any kind of vested interest in them, decided that it was worth investing in their education so that they could be the type of people who could be elected to office and serve the great people of this state. That's what public school did for them. Public school is going to be the answer to our workforce problems. Public school is going to be the answer to our societal problems. Public school works all of the time. And so my question is, if public school was good for all 170 of us, especially those of us who came from working class backgrounds, who private school was an option or came from rural areas where private schools did not exist and still will not exist. If it was good enough for us, why are we taking that away from the children of this state when we've got an opportunity to advance them beyond even what we have? Because think that public school system was built basically out of nothing. And so now we've got a foundation that we could build upon, build upon that foundation to make these the best public schools in the country. But thank you. You've convinced me for sure. That's Representative <laughs> Robert Reeves. We are just about out of time. So thanks again for making time. And we'll visit again in a couple of weeks. All right. Thank you.